If you aren't in control of your statistics, you'll never make any money. Find out how to take control of your business on today's episode. So it is brought to you by Easy Pay Direct, the payment processor for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Get the lowest processing fees in the business by visiting servenomaster.com backslash easypaydirect today. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. Today I'm recording upstairs in our wooden area. We call it the chill out area. It's where I do my exercising. My wife is relaxing in the hammock near me. And up here, I can see the sun in all four directions. I'm still not allowed to leave the house, so I have a limited amount of area to work in. There's a little bit more of a breeze up here, but the disadvantage is that there are more roosters that I can hear in all different directions. So please forgive me if you hear some of that island noise in the background. We do our best to remove it in post-production, but I didn't want to wait to share today's lesson with you. Now, before we dig deep into spreadsheets, I want to be completely honest with you. I hate spreadsheets a great deal. When I was in high school, I was in advanced placement for almost every single course my senior year. It's the reason I graduated from college in three years instead of four, but I made a mistake. I took advanced AP math courses, but I skipped statistics. I never took the statistics class. It's one of my great regrets. I don't know what I would have learned in there, but I'd like to think that I would have learned how to really master my numbers. I know how to figure out the speed of a rocket is going if it's fired from a merry-go-round but I've never really had a strong grasp of how to manage all of my numbers. And it's been a problem in my business for a decade. I'll be completely honest with you. And I've had to work very hard over the past two years to overcome this hurdle. And the reason I'm teaching you this lesson is so that you don't have to learn the way I did. I want you to learn the fast way. So before you think that this is me talking about my passion, it's the opposite. Today's lesson, today's episode is about my greatest weakness. When I first started to have a little bit of success in my business about eight or nine years ago, my mentor was looking for a new accountant. I went with him because I was like, oh, maybe I need an accountant. And I'll never forget our conversation. And she said, how much money do you make? And I said, I don't know. And she said, how much money do you spend? And I said, I also don't know that. And she said, what do you do when you need more money? And I said, I just make more. And it's absolutely true. My greatest skill more than anything else is that I'm a rainmaker. When I need money, I find a way to make it happen. I can always find a client or an opportunity or a project or launch a sale. This week, I was wondering if there would be enough money in the PayPal account to pay the team. I'm always trying to pay the team from PayPal completely, all my workers, so that anything that goes into the bank just keeps going up, 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 up. It's a little game I play. And of course, half the people who buy stuff from me use a credit card and half use PayPal, so it's a game I don't always win. And I was looking and I received a payment this week for $322. I have no idea where it came from, but it allowed me to win my game. That happens all the time. My ability to make rain is very powerful, and I've used it to make up for my disorganization for too long. For a very long time in my business, my stats were massively disorganized. I wasn't in control of my numbers, and it kept me from scaling. I can tell you something right now. I'm obsessed with organization because every time we get more organized, I make more money. It's to me, it's the craziest thing I've ever learned, but it's absolutely true. Every time we get more control over our statistics, our numbers, our strategy, our process flow, the communication within the team or our project management boards, everything goes up significantly. Productivity, team happiness, and money. I have a pretty good memory for what I'm working on, which is 
countered by the fact that I usually forget everyone that I've ever met. So I've been able to slide by without keeping track of my projects very well. Some of my processes have over 150 steps and I never wrote them down until I started having a team. I would just remember how to do all the steps in order. And if you miss a single step, it could cause an entire project to collapse. And yet I never wrote them down until about a year and a half ago when I started using project management software successfully for the first time. I wanna take you through the most important statistics you need to know in your business. There are some big picture statistics that we wanna be in, in charge of, such as your bookkeeping, your salary, your run rate, those big picture numbers. And I say that because I didn't know them for a really long time. So before we dig into the specifics, these are the big picture ones you probably know about. And I'll tell you all the tools that I use for my bookkeeping software, I use Xero, X-E-R-O. We have a link in the show notes to this software. It's really great. I find it much, much easier to use and easier to understand than any other software I've used in the past. Everyone I know has kind of switched to over the past few years and it just pulls everything in automatically and it's really great because it makes reports. To get caught up on my books, I finally hired a new bookkeeper. My last bookkeeper kind of dropped the ball when she had some stuff happen in her family and I didn't take any action for five years, so I'm totally guilty. But I hired a new bookkeeper and he's really amazing. If you're looking for a new bookkeeper, you could certainly send me a message. He actually emailed me yesterday saying he's looking for more clients. I don't have enough work to keep him busy 40 hours a week, thank goodness. But what's beautiful is that we can work together. He goes through all my reports. We analyze everywhere the money goes and we can look and go, okay, where did money go last month that we could move it more efficiently? I really try to look at which projects I'm putting money into and which projects generated money because there are market shifts and I need to see those trends or I can start leaning into the wrong wind. An example of this is that my money from my books and from royalties has been diminishing significantly for the past year to the point where some months it's 1% of my monthly revenue because the other parts of my business are growing so much. A year ago, I was investing the majority of my salary and time into putting more books out. It involved you know, spending money on my editor, spending money on book covers, spending money on and time creating books and transcribing them and all that process. But now I redirected those funds to where the big money is coming from, which is list growth, website speed optimization, bringing in more traffic, improving our process flow. So sometimes it's not about increasing how much salary I'm spending every week. It's just redirecting to different team members. I can raise and lower people's hours. I have some people working as few as 10 hours and some has worked as many as 40. And each different person on the team has the number of hours they want. And I try to get everyone to that number. But I also use this data to be strategic about where I aim the efforts of my team so that we can get maximum ROI. I use a time tracking software that's called Time Doctor. I've mentioned it in some previous episodes. It's pretty cool software. Again, we'll share a link to anything I mention in the show notes and in the description. And the cool thing about this software, in addition to being able to track my team members and track their work and make sure that they don't bill me for time that I'm actually working and it just helps to organize everything, what it really does on top of that is it keeps track of limiting their hours. So if someone is only allowed to work 20 hours a week, it warns them and says, hey, you've maxed out this week. Don't do extra, which helps me maintain my run rate. And the second thing it does that's really cool is it lets me know my maximum liability each week. It says if everyone maxes out their allowed hours this week, this is how much you'll have to pay on Friday. So it helps me forecast a little bit. And that allows me to not over spend. While I could afford to pay every single person on my team maximum hours and they could do a bunch of overtime for a couple of weeks, eventually that would catch up with me. And so I have to be strategic with how I spend my money. I have 11 employees that have a mix of different times. I could do the same, spend the same amount of money. I have six employees full time, but I have different specialties and specialists on the team. And so I have access to more specialties by being strategic. And I can only do that because I know my numbers and because I know my run rates and I'm very cautious about them every single week. I put caps on the number of hours people can do, 
not because I'm trying to limit them this week, but because I want to pay them consistently. So I want them to know what you made this week is what you can make next week and the next week and the next week. So it's providing them with a little bit of security for the long term. Eventually, as we continue to grow, people's hours go up and they get exactly where they want to. Some people only want to be at 20 hours and some people want to be at 40 and I try to meet their need. It's important to see how much money you make each month so you can catch on if things are going down or up, if money's coming in from a different source. If all my money is coming in from client work one month and then it's all coming in from affiliate sales the next month, those are things that I need to know. So those are big picture things. That's not what we're really going to dial in today on today's lesson. That's just the beginning. What we want to do in super detail is go deep into analyzing the money coming into your business. And the first thing you want to look at, number one, is how a person finds you. When someone becomes aware of you, the relationship begins. Until someone's heard of me, I don't exist. But once that bridge is crossed, I want to know where they came from. And there are a lot of ways that I get found. I was in a conversation with someone in my mastermind a few weeks ago, and he says, oh, I read one of your books when I saw it for free on Amazon, and that's how I found you. I said, oh, that's amazing. It's a little bit hard to track that statistic because Amazon won't give me that information. But once you opt in anywhere, if you give me your email address anywhere inside my ecosystem, whether you're buying a product as your first interaction with me, or you're taking a free gift, or you are there when I'm participating and giving my book away in a different type of event, I track that. I don't track it on an individual level, I track it on a mass level. An example of this, I had a conversation with someone last year. Um, sometimes I participate in events which are called stacks where I give away one of my courses for free and anyone who gets my course for free for one of those events gets tagged. And the reason I do that is I wanna see if I convert those people into people who buy something. So let's say, a hundred people took one of my courses for free and uh, six months later I look and none of them have ever bought anything from me. Do you think I'm gonna participate in one of those events again? Of course not. But that's not the case. Usually there are a lot of sales in there and what I'll do is make a group from all those email addresses and then analyze how much they as a group have spent with me over the past six months. And then I divide that by the number of people and that gives me the value over time. I can divide it by six if I want to, to see what someone who finds me through that particular type of event is worth per month. I want to get a feel. And the reason I do this is so I can direct my energy in the right places. If I participate in an event and I get a bad return on investment, the people who join my list take the free gift and immediately unsubscribe, which is fine, you're allowed to do that, but I'm not going to put a lot of effort into joining those events again because that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that are going to hang out with me long term. I want people that are going to read my blog posts, listen to these podcast episodes, leave reviews, leave comments, eventually buy a product or two, and tell their friends about me. So while money isn't the only statistic, I have people who've never bought anything from me, but they leave reviews for all of my books. And every time I do an event, they do everything they can to give because they can't afford to buy anything. I love those people because they help me to grow and they help other people to find me. So every person, as long as they're active and participating, that means a lot. And I look at things like open rate. So let's say I give away my book, uh, one of my free gifts as part of an event, and I get 100 people join. I look and say, are they reading the emails I'm sending? If they're not even reading the emails, they're not even clicking the links, that's an even lower threshold. So we could look at our statistics in different ways on different skills. We want to see, okay, are they spending money? No. Are they at least participating? Are they paying attention to my messaging? Actually, out of 100 people, only 10 of them are still opening your emails. That means that it wasn't a good fit. Those people weren't really interested in me. We weren't on the right wavelength, and that's absolutely fine. There are people out there who teach the exact same things I do, and their audience would hate me, and my audience would hate them. And so people jump between us. Even though we teach the same things, people respond in different ways. You might not like my voice. I know I find it hard to listen to these podcast episodes because I don't sound the way I thought I would. I always think I sound like a 15-year-old uh, on the beach in California. 
even creeping towards 40, my voice hasn't gotten as deep as I thought it would. And that's okay. So most of us don't like our own voices. That's why I'm not a singer. So you want to have an understanding of where your audience comes from. And this can just be as simple as a pie chart. And this can be broken up into areas like events, like anytime you participate in any type of group event or group promotion or stack. The second thing can be search engine optimization. People who find you simply by typing in a search term into Google and then visiting your website. Or maybe they're using Bing or Yahoo, if anyone uses those. I know they still exist, so someone must be using them. Maybe they're an old school internet user who's using the AltaVista search engine, which was the king of search engines like 20 years ago. Or they find you through social media or through your YouTube channel. You want to know that. So the first thing you want to know is what percentage of your audience comes from each of your different channels or each of your different efforts. If 90% of your followers are coming from your blog posts and 10% are coming from your video channel, then you need to really focus on putting out more blog posts and less videos. That's how this is important because it tells you which direction to aim your business in. Once you know how they found you, then you want to start looking at those other values of how they interact with you, how much time they spend on the site. Do they spend money? Do they do those other things? The most important statistic, I believe, is our second number is opt-in conversions. Opt-in simply means when someone opts into your list. It's a technical term that internet marketing nerds like me use. All it means is you sign up for someone's newsletter. Now, I don't think about emails as a newsletter, but maybe you do. Call it an email list or a marketing list or a file if you're an old school marketer. But when someone visits my website or reads one of my books, what I want to look at is out of how many people who read my book, Serve No Master, out of every hundred, how many of them take the free gift and give me their email address? And what you can do there, this is something a little bit harder because you can't do it through software, is you can look at how many books you sold last month and then how many people opted into that particular form inside of your tracking software, and then that gives you your percentage. So it can be done. That one you just have to do month to month. You can't really look at a daily run rate because the data's murky because reporting is sometimes delayed. And it won't give you a perfect number because there are, of course, people who read your book, then go to your website and join your mailing list that way. But they started from your book. But we want to get that feel. And then we want to talk to other authors to find out what their numbers are to see if your number is in the same ballpark. If one out of 100 people who read your book gives you an email address and someone else with a similar book is getting 20, then you know you need to fix something. You need to improve that gift. You need to improve the connection between that gift and your audience. More importantly, as far as the statistic, is when someone visits your website, you absolutely positively need to know your opt-in rate. The reason I say this is because a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, I hired a consultant who was an absolute genius. And I said, he said, I'll look through all your numbers and give you some statistics and spreadsheets. He did some really cool stuff. And what we discovered through that conversation relationship was that my numbers were abysmal. I actually didn't understand my numbers correctly. And this is just goes to show that you can be really successful and have some holes in your area of expertise. And we analyzed, he sat down and said, if you take these five actions, you'll make more money. And I did them and it happened and it was true. It was amazing. So the first thing we looked at was my opt-in rate. And I didn't know because I haven't thought about it because that really wasn't my main area of traffic. I kind of wasn't paying attention to the website. I never have. I've never, with Serve the Master, I've never really driven traffic from pure search. People who find my website are usually people who search for Jonathan Green author or Serve No Master. They're people who already know who I am. But... I still needed to fix some numbers. And he discovered through looking at my numbers, he goes, you have a 2% conversion rate. I have every 100 people visit your website to give you an email address. And I said, that sounds great. And he said, industry average for an okay website is 10%. And the gold, if you can get to it, 15% is the dream. And I said, okay, well, then I have a problem. And we did some work and we got it to 10% within a month. It was excellent. Really, really wonderful result. And the reason I'm talking about these numbers first, right? It's tempting when you're thinking about knowing your numbers is to know about your sales page conversion rates. And those are important later on the line. 
if the first place people find you is a sales page because you're getting paid traffic to that page or joint venture traffic to the page, then you need to know the conversion rate of that page and work on that. But for my business, my first interaction with you, I don't sell anything until I've got your email address, until I've emailed you a few times. That's the most important number because it makes the biggest difference. If I improve a sales page by 1%, then I make increase how much I make from that one product by 1%. But if I increase my opt-in rate by 1%, it increases all of my products by 1%. It's a massive difference. The earlier in the relationship you can improve a, a number, the more valuable it is. That's why the beginning of the relationship is why I focus. So if you don't know your numbers or if you're not capturing email addresses from your website, we covered this two episodes ago. So important. So I'm building on the last two episodes. This could really be thought of as part three of that series. We have to know our conversion rate because that can tell us some important things. Number one, is your traffic wrong? I used to have the number one search results in the entire world for people looking for an image of a nerd. I got massive traffic and when I researched, I go, where's all this traffic coming from? It was people who would type in the word nerd, see an image that happened to be a stock photo on my website. It wasn't like it was a picture of me, thank goodness. And they would click on, they would visit my website. Guess what? That's trash traffic because they're not looking for anything about me. That was on my dating website when I used to tell dating stories a long time ago. Totally unrelevant. A second example of this is when I ran a search engine optimization company. For a while, I was in the top 10 for the term search SEO. I got a ton of traffic. Guess what? It was only other people who ran SEO agencies. It wasn't a buyer keyword. If you type in search engine optimization and then the name of a city, that's a great keyword. Because that says someone who's looking to get help in their city. But without the city modifier, it's a research keyword. I, my chat box was always filled with other SEO companies who were trying to take market share from me who didn't realize that it wasn't a good keyword and they were just asking those questions in my chat box. I finally turned off the chat box. It was such a waste of my time. I couldn't talk to customers because people who were just finding me through a keyword that wasn't any good were there. So you want to see what the problem is. So if the problem isn't your traffic, it could be number two, your gift is wrong. First free gift I ever made. It was from a, a dating website when I was telling stories about my dating life. And it was a how to be good at kissing guide. Nobody ever took it. Hard zero. And I didn't know what was going on until I talked to some other people who were in the same market as me. And they said, no one ever, 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 ever wants to admit they're a bad kisser. Even though, based on my experience in my single days, a large percentage of the population is bad at kissing. There are people who kiss only with their teeth. People who kiss with their eyes open. People who make scary dinosaur noises. How do I know that? Because I've experienced all three. One of my many, many life experiences, I... The first time I ever kissed a girl, I didn't know what I was doing, and I had her chin in my mouth for like four minutes. She didn't have the heart to say anything. My first kiss. What a win. But nobody wants that gift. It doesn't convert in any market. So the problem wasn't me or the copy or the traffic. It was a gift that nobody wants, and no one ever wants it. Because the people I know who have massive businesses in that industry, who are doing huge numbers and have huge followings, they couldn't give away a guide with that same principle either. The third possibility, if it's not your traffic, it's not your gift, is the form itself, the offer. Are people seeing it? Does it look nice? Is it in a relevant place? The first thing you want to create is a universal offer. This is an offer that will appeal to anyone who visits your website. My universal offer is join my tribe, which is to join my group. Um, it was a Facebook group for a long time. We're actually, we bought some new software We're trying to build a platform that we control. So that's a little bit more manageable because I want to bring more and more of the my assets into my realm. And I get about 10% of people email me and say they hate Facebook and would never join a group on Facebook and they don't want to just join Grave Group to join my group, but they want to join my group. So I'm responding to that part of the audience and we are working on that software. It's just another thing that's coming after we finish the revision of the website, but that's a universal offer. And I got that from a fashion website who was doing really well. I got a lot of really good ideas from this one interview with a lady with an over 40 fashion blog from Australia. 
Her interview was great. It's a pro blogger interview. So we'll actually, we'll put a link below in the show notes below so you can listen to it too if you want to hear what this lady had to say because fair enough. It was really, I found her website good. I found her free gift good. I said, that's such a good universal gift because it can appeal to a large audience. Now, if you visit my website, you know I have gifts for people that are interested in copywriting or blogging or ghostwriting, and I have a match gift. That means if you go to an article about networking, the free gift that you get offered should be a networking free gift. That means gift match. And then it's about the copy or the language that gives people a motivation to join. Why should I join your Facebook group? You join my Facebook group, first of all, you get a free video every day. I record hundreds of free training videos and I post them there before anywhere else. If you don't mind waiting 30, 60, or 90 days, you can follow me on a different social media, more public channel. Not only that, but inside the group, I post advanced training. I answer questions with videos, and I do a lot of other stuff to put a lot of value into that group. So I give a lot of reasons. Hey, you know what you need is people around you who are on the same journey so you don't feel alone. Because the hardest part of building an online business is the loneliness. You can make a small mistake in your business. If you don't have anyone around to talk to, to say it out loud to, you might not catch it until a small crack has become a huge cavern. So join my tribe. With your universal appeal gift, you can test different versions of it, and you want to have a lot of different ways people can see it. You can try a sidebar, you can try a pop-up, a pop-down. You can have a bar at the top of the screen, a bar at the bottom of the screen. Try different ones to see what gets the right conversion rate. And of course, you balance that with not being annoying. The reason that I use Convert Pro over Bloom or over Monster is simple. It allows me to run really complicated split tests. And because of the way I run them, if someone says no and X is a pop-up, for one type of gift, they're not gonna see a pop-up for a different gift tomorrow. They won't see any pop-ups for at least 30 days. So I don't wanna be annoying. It's a balance, right? Our balance is how much, how can we maximize conversions without maximizing annoyance? And it's a, a balance, and that comes from knowing your numbers and knowing your statistics. And so you can work on that, and then you create different versions. Let's say you just do a pop-up. This is what I did. I switched from Tribe to my seven product creation myths free gift for a very simple reason. Product creation myths outconverted it. So what I first used to do was send you, you would click on a button, I'd have a green pop-up, you may have seen it, I was running a long, for a long time last year, and it would say, join the family, you know, don't want to be alone, what, or whatever, I forget what the exact headline was, I can look on my computer, but that's not important. It was a message of, join a group, solidary, join the tribe, click this button, it would take you to servemaster.com front slash tribe, which was then a big opt-in page. Then I said, you know what, why don't I test something? Why make them go to that page? They've already clicked a button. Maybe if I just give them a form right there. And so it just had a little box. Now you enter your email address and click the button and you get sent straight to the thank you page. That was my first iteration and that converted exactly the same. So if I had a 10% conversion rate and I had 100 visitors, 10 of them would click the button and go to the try page or 10 of them would enter their email address and click the button. But then not every single person who went to the try page would enter their email address on that page. So actually, the second version was a better converter, and then the same thing happened with the building out of the product creation myths free gift. It converted better, and then even more importantly, the tripwire potion, which I talked about in our last episode, converted even better. And that takes us to big number three, which is understanding the money. We really want to know if people who are giving us their email address are customers, and we want to look at what they are worth over 7, 30, and 90 days. Now, I know people in certain markets who spend a lot of money for every single subscriber, and it takes them 60 days to break even. So they're negative on every dollar they spend for 60 days, but after day 60, they're break even, and every day after that is 100% profit. And they have enough money, and they have everything dialed in with their email addresses, and with their email messages, and their offers that they can afford to do that because they've tightened up and they know their numbers so well. So many people miss this opportunity. They don't know their numbers very well. Now, what you might know, what you hopefully know from what I talked about at the beginning is how much money comes in every month. But if you don't know where it's coming from, you can start to have problems. You might have 10 super fans 
who buy anything you sell. And that makes you think that everyone in your audience, because you're averaging out, is spending money with you. But if you look at new people versus old people, you can find, first of all, people spend more money at the beginning than at the end of your relationship. They're far likely to send money when you first get to know them. So those first 7, 30, and 90-day periods are really, really critical because that's where you'll make 90% of your revenue from your new people. Sure, some people might wait a year or two years to take action, but they're the exception, not the rule. And we can't... <laughs> We don't want to track that. We don't want to make a plan with a two-year turnaround time. That's really long. Three months is hard enough, right? So what you want to look at is all of that money that's coming in and where it comes in during the relationship. And you can track those statistics. And it's worth doing. I know this is a numbers and money and statistics episode. And that's why I said at the beginning, it's going to be about numbers and statistics. This, this, none of this stuff is fun for me, right? I just am teaching you this stuff because it's so critical. It makes such a difference. I have worked with people who are losing money on every dollar they spend, but they don't realize it. And so they're increasing their advertising budgets to go from losing $5 a day to 500 a day. And only when they suddenly bottom out do they realize they had something wrong in their calculations. The final thing you want to look at is low-hanging fruit. Where are the biggest opportunities for you to increase your revenue, your growth, your reach, your profit? I mentioned earlier the first thing you should look at is the beginning of your relationship. You want to start at the beginning. The last two episodes were so critical. That's why I went over those first. Anything you can do to improve your conversion rate on your website, low-hanging fruit. That's why I went from 2% to 10% and I'm fighting to get to 15%. The second thing you want to look at is if you're wasting your thank you page, if you don't have a tripwire in place, if you don't have an offer. There are some really important places to have your first offer at the end of your free gift, in a PS, on your very first email to people, and... The thank you page should be a free gift page. Now, every once in a while, we've actually been getting a bunch of emails from the same person over the past week who is absolutely baffled by the fact that we deliver our free gifts via email and that instead of a thank you page or a download page, there's a sales page. It's probably emailed me and my support team 20 times this week. Really upset. So out of 10,000 people who've seen that page, one person complained. Do you think I'm going to change my business for that one person? Of course not. Just because people complain doesn't mean you should pivot your business. I see all these massive businesses that pivot because they get a Twitter complaint campaign and they don't look at, are these people customers? Why would you listen to a bunch of people who aren't already your customers? All they can do is hurt your business. The most important voices that I hear are from my employees. Number two is my mastermind or high ticket students, my coaching clients. Number three is any customer. Number four is anyone who's on my list. So... The more you connect with me, the more important your voice is, but that's who I listen to. If someone's not on my list and gives me advice, why would I listen to that? They're already not interested in me. So if someone says, oh, I don't like your website, I'm like, yeah, but you already didn't like me. <laughs> if my website was really beautiful, would you suddenly become a fan of me? Well, no. Then why would I take your advice? So be careful not to listen to the voices that don't matter. So when you get people, for example, every once in a while I get someone who says, oh, hey, can you just, I love your emails, but can you just send one once a week? I don't really have the technology to do that. I'm not there yet. It is a thing that some people do where they can put you into a different track that just says, oh, this person's newsletter only. I don't have that really set up yet. So I just unsubscribe that person. I go, I don't want to annoy this person. I don't want them to put a spam complaint. I'll just free them. Why? Because that comes in about one out of every 10,000. You don't want to pivot your business because of a single person. If no one's complaining, you're not doing enough. Now, if the complaint numbers go really high, then that does mean something, right? So you want to balance it. And that means knowing your numbers, you're going, oh, one out of a thousand, one out of 10,000, no problem. One out of a hundred, start paying attention. One out of 10, the, the house is on fire. You really need to pay attention. So anywhere you can get a quick win is what you should work on first. So when I started working on statistics with my first consultant, the first thing he said was, okay, this is what you need to work on. 
you need to fix your opt-in rate because that's the lowest hanging fruit. He goes, if you change your opt-in rate by this much, and he had this cool spreadsheet. I don't know how to do this, but he would change one number and all the numbers below it would change about how much I'm making each month. So the things that really matter, okay, are traffic, how many people are coming to your website, and that initial conversion rate. Those are the things you can improve. So traffic is harder to improve quickly. You spend a lot of time or money. So let's say your conversion rate is 1% right now. That's acceptable because that means we can improve it. It's much harder to go from zero to one than one to two, much harder. If you go from one to 2%, you double your income, double, because you've doubled your conversion rate. Two is double one. If you're getting 100 visitors a day from your blood, sweat, and tears, you can either tweak your opt-in, which will take an hour, or you can try to get 200 visitors a day and you'll get the same results. Now, of course, as you grow, you're going to try and work on every area of your business, but it's much easier to fix that conversion rate. Then you can work on other things. Then you can work on the traffic because you know that of all the traffic coming in, you're getting the maximum value. So if you have one email address coming in every day out of 100 visitors, you go to two, now you're getting two email addresses a day. You double that traffic, now you're getting four. You've 4X'd your income. You've quadrupled your income by improving those two numbers. So at a certain point, there's diminishing returns. Once your conversion rate's 15%, it's really hard to go higher. I guess it's possible. But if you improve it by one percentage point, now it's not as significant. It's not a doubling. It's like a 6% improvement, something like that. I don't know the exact number. I don't know what, you know, I'm not perfect at statistics, like I said, but going from one to two is significant. Going from 15 to 16 isn't as significant. So then it starts to make sense to focus on the next conversion rate in your funnel, which is your tripwire page. And then you start working on your traffic because you have everything else perfect. So what you want to do is look at each of your statistics and whichever one has the biggest impact and work on that first. And that's how you can take control of your statistics and start to make a lot more money. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back next Tuesday with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you Tuesday. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Serve No Master podcast. Follow me at facebook.com backslash serve no master.